there's enormous opportunity. I've always been a fan of what Bill Gates says that you, you know, always overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in 10 years. And I feel that we're, you know, we're sort of in that realm right now where people are expecting these technologies to solve all problems in the next year, but may not even have really an understanding yet, none of us do, about what might be possible in 10 years. This is the Launch Your Business podcast, because we know starting a business is challenging, but it doesn't have to be confusing. Each week, we'll give you the tactical advice and the necessary tools to scale your business without feeling burnt out. I'm Terry Rice, business development consultant and staff writer here at Entrepreneur Magazine. Let's dive in. This is going to sound a bit weird, but I don't like visiting Las Vegas. I don't drink, I don't gamble, and my partying days are thankfully well behind me. But I was there recently, and I was surprised by how well it went. First of all, my old college roommate, John Galvin, was visiting at the same time, so I got a chance to catch up with him. And oddly enough, he actually lives in New York City too, but we don't see each other nearly as often as we should. Beyond that, I was there to attend Sweet World, Oracle NetSuite's largest gathering of the NetSuite community. And in case you're not familiar... Oracle NetSuite is a cloud-based business management software suite that helps organizations manage their financials, operations, and customer relationships. So it's a turnkey solution for many of your business needs. And today's guest, Evan Goldberg, co-founded NetSuite more than 25 years ago, and it was the first cloud computing company, which ushered in a new era of cloud computing. So Evan and his team are true trailblazers. And he continues to be responsible for NetSuite's product strategy and development since its 2016 acquisition by Oracle. He's joining us on today's show, and here's what really stood out to me about Evan. He leads a company that brings in billions of dollars per year, but can still provide actionable insights for other entrepreneurs, like you and I, who aren't quite at the billion-dollar mark yet. So here's what we're going to cover during today's show. You'll learn how you can grow a company using a relatively small team, why using AI to grow is an automatic competitive advantage, and how you can learn from failure and bounce back even stronger. Evan, how's it going today? It's terrific. Thanks a lot, Terry. I'm glad to chat with you today because I was at Sweet World in Las Vegas recently, your, your annual event, and I was just blown away not only by what Oracle is doing, uh, Oracle NetSuite is doing, but what your, your customers are doing as well. And it was great getting a chance to actually sample some of the products that your customers use while I was there, and I'm already a fan of quite a few of them. So, so thank you for that experience. We love highlighting our customers. That's why we exist, and their entrepreneurial journeys are always incredibly inspiring. Uh, I agree. And, and that's why we're chatting with you today. Um, so to, to officially get started, do you mind uh, introducing yourself, please? Yeah, my name is Evan Goldberg. I'm the founder and EVP of Oracle NetSuite. Awesome. So one thing I want to talk about, because I think it's central to how NetSuite became so successful, is the first mover advantage. And on my end these days, I'm really focusing on using AI and automation to grow my, my brands that I help because I feel like there's still an opportunity to have that first mover advantage in that space. But do you mind just explaining your operational definition of the first mover advantage and how you might have benefited from that early yeah. in your career? Well, in some sense, nobody's really a first mover because everything builds off of the successes of the past. Um, but what you can do is take um, whatever industry you're in, um, take your technology or your processes or, or whatever you're thinking would provide value to customers 
in a new direction um, and sometimes in a radically new direction. And if you can do that and you can, um, you know, really execute on a vision that is disruptive to sort of the status quo, that's where obviously some amazing uh, companies begin. And I think this is my opinion, but I think starting a company now is much easier than it used to be. And what I'm curious to, to get your opinion on is, would you say that modern entrepreneurs have an advantage? And if so, why? Yeah, I think there's a lot of advantages now. Um, one being that you can, um, as you're building your company, you can recruit from all over the world. Uh, you can, uh, do, you know, build a team much more easily than where you were, when you were sort of, you know, geographically limited. Um, you can get the resources um, to run your company more easily now if you um, cloud services are so easy to, to access. If you are delivering, for example, an internet service, you can um, use a cloud computing um, provider to get that service up and running and scalable um, almost immediately. Those kinds of things. We had a, in NetSuite, we had to do all that, all that from scratch. You obviously have access to the internet, which gives you, you know, enormous resources on which to do research and to see how you know others you know companies may be in your same space or operating so all these things together um you know provide a great platform uh if you have a great idea to operationalize it very quickly yeah i agree and, and that's where i was going with it too because the first job i had a, at a startup i was doing digital marketing but there was someone else who did trade show marketing there's someone else who did coding, someone else who did design, someone else who did email marketing, so on and so forth. Nowadays, and I sound old even saying that, one person can do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So for everyone listening, the barrier has never been lower for you to enter entrepreneurship. And I will say this, one thing I appreciated about those times is having so many other coworkers, I, I was more connected with them because I had to talk to this person about their email, this person about trade shows, so on and so forth. And that built a culture of collaboration. So what I'm wondering on your end is with, with Oracle being so huge now, right? And starting out with just you, how do you maintain that culture as yeah. you're scaling? And how could our audience do the same no, thing? No, it, it's, it's a big challenge. And um, every time you make that big leap of growth, you're going, your culture is at risk. When you go from, you know, five people to 50, and then 50 to 500, you know, those kinds of leaps are definitely threats to a culture that you've built. And so you have to find better ways to um, cement it, I'd say it can't just be it, it it can't be an afterthought. It, it, it has to be very intentional. I know that word is used a lot, but that's really, I think, very appropriate here. You have to take action and have a plan. Um, and, and of course, and a lot of it starts with hiring. Don't hire outside your call. You know what I mean by that. Don't hire in a way that's going to be in opposition to your, to your company culture. Uh, make sure that the people that you bring into the organization fit and and appreciate what's great about your company and will help enhance that and bring you know new ideas and we'll break some glass but not too much glass i guess i'd say because you know that, that the culture is precious and so we've worked really hard at that we have something in our organization called together at netsuite which is really all about making netsuite feel small again and um you know a lot of it has to do with you know making sure everybody's aware of the history of the company that we also do lots and lots of communication that people get to hear 
um, what brought us to where we are today and what some of the things that we felt that we did in the early days that we can continue to do now to preserve that sense of possibility and that sense of togetherness that sort of makes us who we are. I was going to ask you what you're doing to maintain the culture, but you you just answered that. And I feel like part of it is making making it clear to new employees, like, hey, you're part of this culture. You're part of the evolution of the culture. And that's that's what you're here for. There are certain guardrails that you have to stay between because we want to maintain this. Um, but we're not looking for people to be copycats uh, for what we've done before. We want you to help us move forward. Absolutely. And I think some of the grassroots things that you'll see from people that are sort of steeped in the culture, they'll come up with new and exciting ways to preserve that and, and new kinds of uh, ways of engaging and, and in, you know, the, 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 the new hybrid work culture definitely uh, provides some challenges uh, to preserving uh, your culture when many of your employees may be completely remote. So, you know, what can you do? What kind of innovative outside the box things can you do to make sure that those employees really engage and appreciate, you know, what's great about your company and help enhance and make it even better in the future? Yeah. And I think that's to your point, it's it's a different ballgame with remote work. And I think that's why it's even more important to have an, a culture established initially, because if you're scrambling to do it as people are you know onboarding in the remote, it's going to be a lot more challenging. But um, let's talk more about challenges, because I think you're the person that our audience needs to, to hear from in regards to my next question. For, for any entrepreneur that's currently struggling to grow their business, what's, what's the first thing they should do? Like, what are a few things they should look at to say, look, if I just analyze and, and optimize this, things will go better. But right now, they have no idea where to start. So yeah. what would you advise? Well, I, I certainly think the first thing is just to have a very, very crisp plan. And to me, a plan begins with sort of um, three questions. And the first being, who is my audience? Um, exactly. You know, who really, who's the core? What is the persona of the person that I am developing a product and service for? And what are the problems I'm trying to solve for them? And then how, you know, the next question is, how am I going to solve those problems and, and, and communicate that I have a solution for them and then what is the first step we want them to take what is that critical first step whether it be to try it or to attend a webinar or whatever are those things that are going to you know that you see and you have to obviously look at the data to figure out what those first actions are what do we want that audience that has that problem for which we have a solution what is the best way to engage them quickly and effectively um, and bring them into the fold. So I think that, you know, that getting that crispness that goes from vision to plan is really um, something that I, every entrepreneur needs to uh, think long and hard about. Yeah. And it's funny because that sounds like, like almost fundamental advice, but so many people just don't take it <laughs> that if you can master those fundamentals, you'll be in a good spot to keep on iterating and, and improving. And, um, Along those lines, I I, just, I want to talk about the the future of Oracle. Let's fast forward another like five, ten years. Like, how do you want Oracle to be perceived uh, by by your general audience? Yeah. Well, you know what we're in the business of doing is uh, providing tools for entrepreneurs and fast growing companies to get the best information they can, the best insights about their business, and actually be able to act on them. Um, to be able to control what's happening in their business, but in, you know, enhance everybody's productivity, get further, faster, 
towards your uh, towards your goal. Let people collaborate better. Make sure you can remain agile. You know, these are the things that we think about, and I think that certainly we're just going to keep innovating and learning from our customers about how we can do that better. But there's also new technologies that come along, and the and and uh, the advances in AI. I mean, we've been looking at AI for several many years because we know that that can provide great insights and great assistance um, to our customers. But now there seem, you know, seems to be a new leap of new ways that, that AI can do that. So I think you know, if you look over the next five years, we're going to be working really hard to figure out the practical applications for an entrepreneur of these new technologies that, again, really help them with the core of what they have to do in, in uh, building their business and, and getting you know, faster towards their North Star, whatever that is. It's interesting because you mentioned having a vision and I can tell that right now you're taking steps today to live in the vision that you want to have in five to 10 years. And I think that's a good tip for everyone. Um, but also like just getting very focused about the practical uses of, of AI, I think is super important because there's so many silly use cases you can spend your time yeah. on. It's like, well, here's this filter that makes your nose look like a bunny. It's like, yeah. do, you really, <laughs> do you really need to do that? Right. Or do you want to sit down and think about the problem that you're solving with your business and how you can do that more effectively? <laughs> with, with Absolutely. AI? I mean, I think AI has an enor enormous, I mean, because it's a great pattern recognizer. And so the ability to surface patterns in your business that you might not see just looking at the basic data that you're obviously looking at day, uh, day to day, but getting behind the data, seeing the, seeing the patterns and, and um, explaining those patterns and predicting what might happen um, in the future um, in various aspects of your business and then helping suggest courses of action that either, you know, other businesses have taken or that you have taken in the past that have been effective in a similar situation. Again, doing that pattern matching and seeing how what's happening in your business now may be the same or may be different than what's happened in the past. This is something that we're really working hard on seeing whether these new AI tools as well as more traditional AI tools um, can help with. I mean, just that alone is so beneficial because I do a cleanse every year where I look at my business and I think, okay, what's the 20 that's getting me the 80? Mm -hmm. And what do I have to remove in order to double down on the 20 and keep on growing that? Right. And I never thought of doing this, but just using a tool like like AI, even ChatGPT <laughs> could, could help me with that. So Right, I mean, so like if you look at that. companies that have lots of products and you can find relatively small companies that quickly have a lot of products, so obviously if they're a distributor um, or you know various the retailer, they could have lots of products. So. To be able to get a handle on all your products by just trying to, you know, look at them, um, you, you know, just in a list or, or whatever, you're not going to be able to maybe unearth those patterns of the best, the products that are uh, the hottest, that are providing the most profitability, that look like they, you know, could be great upsells to existing customers based on the patterns that we see. Those are the kinds of things um, that I think AI has been able to do in the past, will do better and will also be better at explaining it. And obviously, the new large language model technology will hopefully help, you know, these systems like NetSuite be better at explaining those patterns. Um, and you don't have to be a data scientist to understand um, what it's seeing. It's funny, I'm definitely not a data scientist, but as you were talking, it gave me an idea. So we can, yes, use AI to find the best selling products, you know, best margins and all that stuff, but also say, well, if our audience wants this, what are three more similar products we should also mm -hmm. offer, right? <laughs> so using the tool for, for product development as well would be Absolutely. another option there. Yeah, so there's, a, there's, there's enormous opportunity 
Um, it's, you know, I, I'm always been a fan of what Bill Gates says that you, you know, always overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in 10 years. And I feel that we're, you know, we're sort of in that realm right now where people are expecting these technologies to solve all problems in the next year, but may not even have really an understanding yet. None of us do about what might be possible in 10 years. Let's, um, we're, so we're talking about 10 years in the future, but let's go in the past. And this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. What is one lesson about entrepreneurship that you you wish you learned sooner? And I know we often say there's no regrets, but let's pretend there, I don't want to say there's a regret, but um, oh, a lesson I mean, you wish you yeah, learned you sooner. You can build a company over 25 years without having, I wouldn't say they're regrets because everything, you know, you learn, if you're learning from your failures, then you don't need to regret them because you'll have opportunities in the future to get benefit from from that learning. So I think, you know, we one of the biggest lessons we learned is how important it is to look at your existing customers and what their experience is and how you can serve them better and how you can certainly sell more to them, which starts with serving them better. And, um, you know, there's always the allure of the new deal, the new customer and those, of course, that helps grow your business. But I think sometimes people underestimate how much um, growth you can get by mining your existing customer base and really paying attention to them. So that's a lesson we learned. You know, I, I certainly was one of those entrepreneurs that's like land grab. Let's get as many customers as we can and thinking about, you know, when you close a deal, it's like, okay, who, you know, who's next? What have you done for me lately? That sort of thing. So um, I think that's an important discipline is the, that balance between expanding your customer base and nurturing um, your existing customers. Yeah, I think strategic patience for the future, as well as curiosity about your current customers is one of the best ways to grow. So, so we're aligned there. And I know you're, you're a busy man, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. But uh, are there any parting thoughts or anything else you'd like to share uh, before we have part ways here? Well, I mean, I, I'd go back to where we started, you know, where we talked at Sweet World and, and the enormous variety of entrepreneurs that are doing incredible things. And we feel like at NetSuite, you know, we're just giving them a leg up. But ultimately, uh, the success uh, really rides with them and their team, and it's it's super inspiring. And now in this world where um, we have new types of technology that really could impact practically every type of business. I mean, this is not just about software companies or internet services. I mean, really everybody can look at these new technologies and figure out how can they achieve their goals faster. And that's just a super exciting time for innovation. I think we're going to see some um, incredible products and services um, from our customers and from all of, all of these, uh, all entrepreneurs, all of your listeners that are entrepreneurs over the next few years. Yeah, and, and I, I said that was going to be the last thing, but one thing I, I realized when I was at Sweet World is how NetSuite Oracle is helping people avoid mistakes that they made in the past. And I'll explain this. I was talking to the CMO of Dude Wipes. And at a previous company, he said, look, we overhired on our team. We were so bogged down by payroll, we couldn't grow as quickly. So when he finally got a job at Dude Wipes, he's like, the first thing I did was say, look, we got to put in Oracle NetSuite. <laughs> That's going to save us a lot of time and money. So I think sometimes when you've been burned in the past, you realize, look, there's got to yeah. be a better way. Well, and he there found you go. That That's Oracle. just learning learning from your mistakes, learning from the past and make, you know, really, it is no regrets. Um, that was part of my journey to where I am today. And I think about that when I look back on uh, my entrepreneurial history. And, and I think that's a that's a healthy way uh, to not drive yourself crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, agreed. So Evan, thank you for this. Thank you for everything you've done. Thanks for the information you passed along to our audience as well. But it, it's been great chatting with you and I, and I appreciate thank, it. Thanks so much, Terry, for having me. 
And that's our show for today. You can learn more about Oracle NetSuite by visiting netsuite.com and also give Evan a follow on LinkedIn where he constantly shares actionable advice. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch up with you next time. Apply what you've learned on today's show. You'll find the show notes and more resources at terryrice.co backslash podcast. Again, that's terryrice.co backslash podcast. And the best way to support this podcast is by subscribing, telling a friend, and leaving a review. Also, you can get more tips by following me on Instagram at It's Terry Rice or follow me on LinkedIn. This episode was produced by Josh Wilcox of Brooklyn Podcasting Studio and edited by Dan Lardy. Special thanks to my wife, Dominique, for keeping our kids relatively quiet as I record it. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time.